A leaf flows forward with the current willingly, love for the present. Chapter 8. Life gives you what you need. Where I stand today is where I need to be. It may not seem clear initially, but I'm learning to accept that life requires us to address our needs before we meet our desires. It may be an uncomfortable situation, but life grants us precisely what we're ready to experience. Life teaches us to treasure our needs before our desires. These moments will feel like nothing is going according to plan, but have faith in the process. The hurdles you face today are contingent on elevating your potential. Undertake life's challenges and tend to your needs to fortify your resilience. Remember, life will test you not out of bitterness, but to motivate you to seek greatness. When life hits you with a curveball, hit back harder. Know that in every moment of defeat and heartbreak, you are growing and approaching the life you've earned. Your challenging moments will prepare you for the expedition ahead and teach you how to nurture new opportunities. Appreciate the trials you encounter today because it marks the beginning of a better rendition of yourself. So, adopt the present, flourish for the future, and remember that when you're ready, life will give you everything you need and more. How's it, everyone? My name is Michael Kabuko, and welcome to another episode of the Love Notes for Life podcast, your creative space for amplifying greatness through gratitude. So St. Patrick's Day is coming up, and I came across some interesting facts. Did you know that the four-leaf clover was a Celtic charm to provide magical protection to ward off bad luck and evil spirits? And that the four leaves of the clover also represented faith, hope, love, and luck? And if you ever came across one, be thankful, because you'd be granted luck, though it's unclear how long the good luck lasts. And you've probably heard of the term shamrock, which is actually a three-leaf clover that St. Patrick used to describe the Holy Trinity of Catholicism. I'm still unsure how luck has anything to do with St. Patrick's Day, but I've always enjoyed the holiday nonetheless, even though I take the chance and don't wear green. Yeah, try me. Go ahead. Try to pinch me. But nevertheless, I think it's safe to say we could all use a little bit of luck. A few days ago, I was making my way back home and I came across a huge crash at one of my routine intersections. From the look of it, two cars made impact during a turn at relatively high speed and their front ends were totaled. It looked pretty bad and there was plenty of collateral damage. Wrong place, bad timing, and a whole lot of bad luck. You could go about your business, do the same routine every single day, and all it takes is one variable that shifts out of one's favor to create an undesirable outcome. But I'm no stranger to seeing accidents, especially when I've had to commute regularly since college. During my time at university, I used to commute from Wheatland, California to UC Davis. It was about a 45-minute drive, one way, without traffic, and I did it religiously for five days a week. For four years, I passed by many traffic accidents until one day, I saw one unravel right before my eyes. I was about five car lengths back behind a cluster of cars racing their way back home. It was approaching summer in 100 plus degree weather, and I could see the heat radiating off the asphalt. One car drifted slightly towards the lane divider, made impact with another, 
And just like dominoes, the cars collectively started crashing, sliding, and dancing out of control. One, two, three, and then four cars collided, all at high speed with one another. Within proximity, I spotted a big rig screeching to a halt, desperately trying to apply the brakes. The truck swerved and began to fishtail. Thankfully, there was ample space for the driver to ditch the truck off the side of the road. But the chaos continued to unravel, and the laws of physics became master of the road. I managed to slow down way before I got into the wrecking zone. Now, my intuition drew from experience racing at my local racetrack. But on the track, you deal with fixed variables. This was a different beast. Even if I could control my response, I couldn't control the rapidly changing variables. As the tires were screeching all around me, I managed to snake my way through the accident. It was a close call, but after I scrambled through the wreckage, it felt like luck was on my side. I got lucky, and thankfully for everyone else behind me, they were lucky as well. Despite the high-speed dance that took place, it seemed like most of the drivers were okay. Some of the vehicles had sustained damage. The airbags were visible in some of the cars, but from afar, I could only hope that most of the drivers were okay. It's so easy to recall these negative experiences in life. But on that day, I was just lucky that I didn't get hurt. I'm lucky that I didn't get hit. But I haven't always had my best relationship with luck. During that same year, my last quarter at UC Davis, and at the youthful age of 21, I was administered my last rites, also known as the commendation of the dying. Halfway through my last quarter at UC Davis, I was rushed to the hospital after what seemed like an innocent stomachache. But as my time at the emergency room extended into the night, I developed a high fever, became nauseous, and my stomach turned into a rock. At first, the doctors thought it was food poisoning, so they tried to flush my system. They ran a tube through my nostril, down the back of my throat, and eventually dipped its way into my stomach. It was one of the most uncomfortable feelings, and by the third hour, with all the medical devices connected to me, I was starring in my own medical drama. As my temperature stabilized, the medical staff assumed I was getting better. So they pulled out the extraction tube, but you all know it's never a good idea to assume. Minutes later, my fever reappeared, and my stomach started to cramp even further. Yup, it was round two of the extraction tube, and down it went through my nostril once again. At this point, I pretty much looked like Edward from Twilight with my super light complexion, and I was moved from the ER to the ICU, which would become home for the next two weeks. I was stripped of my strength, and every minute I was just fighting to ignore the pain. Eventually, the doctors gave up trying to give me solid food, and I was prescribed chicken and beef broth for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Oh, and don't forget about those wonderful ice chips because I had to stay hydrated. And my forearms looked like a battlefield of needle injections. From getting my blood tested frequently to swapping IV injection sites because my veins were failing, I became the perfect guinea pig, a medical template for residents to apply their medical knowledge and get hands-on experience. As the days went by, I became accustomed to the schedule of medical experiments. Blood testing and temperature checks were done at intervals, and to keep my lungs healthy, I had to utilize this breathing apparatus which helped me strengthen my lungs. I was 21 years old, but sickness does not discriminate. 
I was young, but my body was failing me. Eventually, I got to the point where it was so painful to get up, to do my daily walks around the ICU, that I had to utilize leg warmers to keep the blood circulating in my legs. Else, if I didn't, it would be another problem to add to the list. Yet, despite my lack of performance, my body seemed quite the fighter. While my mind was starting to wander off, my body kicked into survival overdrive. My doctor would joke with me that my body was built with the right stuff, and it didn't want to back down. But even as my body was fighting the infection, there came a time when even resilience couldn't fend off the inevitable. I believe it was near the end of the second week where I started to play out the scenarios in my head. If I became subject, confined to the hospital for many more weeks ahead, it wouldn't be such a bad gig. I mean, sure, I would lose my quarter at UC Davis and the possibility of graduating on time. However, while I could handle it, it pained me to see my parents by my side, sleeping in that little corner chair pressed up against the wall, hoping that this nightmare would eventually end. Then, one day, I had this new neighbor in my hospital room. If my issues were bad enough, his situation was on another level. He was a professional motocross racer that suffered a shatter leg from a bad jump gone wrong. His whole leg was fractured in sections and was somehow glued together with plate screws and a whole lot of love. It was one of those freak accidents that really reminds you how fragile we are as human beings. I just remember hearing him scream throughout the night, and he had this button at his fingertips where he could pump morphine into his system. However, that button was finite, and once it ran out, it ran out, and the screams got louder. At the time, the only thought that was going through my head was, I just need one more day. I just need to bear this pain one more day. I just need one more day for the chance that maybe my doctors will figure out what's wrong with me. And that's when it happened. I figured it out. For some reason, I was inclined to feel my lower back, and I came across a very painful and tender area around the lower gluteus. I didn't know what it was, but I knew it wasn't normal. So I called the nurse in and explained my case. The doctor followed suit and confirmed what it was. It was a fistula, an abnormal connection between my organs, and it became a nest for infections to settle down in. Take that, WebMD. I self-diagnosed my symptoms without even stepping foot into medical school. Jokes aside, I was somewhat disappointed that it took so long for the doctors to figure out what was wrong with me. But the reality is, you only know what you know. The doctors were inexperienced with my predicament, and I'm sure it was probably one of the highlights of their career. But you really only know what you know. And I couldn't blame them for not figuring out what was wrong with me quickly. And doctors operate from a combination of feedback and experience. But at the end of the day, I was just thankful that the last rites I received the night before didn't expedite the ending of my life story. The following day, I went into surgery, and right after that sideshow, just like that, my body bounced back. The surgical incision was quite painful, and it would be for weeks to come, but despite the discomfort, I was finally back to my normal self. I guess you could say it was more like a new normal. Nevertheless, I finally had a chance to say goodbye to my fluctuating temperature, 
and I finally got that darn extraction tube out of my nose. Thank God. Oh, and I finally got off the ice chips as well. Slowly but surely, I was replacing my delicious beef broth meals with jello, and then finally came the big jackpot meal. Get ready for this. Mashed potatoes, sautéed veggies, and the hospital's finest cut of steak. It was magnificent. Sure, it wasn't fine dining, but after living off ice chips for two weeks, anything and everything tasted like heaven. Days later, I was discharged from the hospital, and the next chapter of my medical journey began. I still had one more problem to address. I wanted to graduate on time. Two weeks doesn't seem like a long time, but in the eyes of the University of California, if you miss two weeks, you might as well just give up and try again next year. My professors were brutal. They wouldn't let me retake any exams and redo any missed assignments. They wouldn't let up and didn't care that I was this close to dying. I guess, in a way, I was thankful that they didn't show me any preferential treatment because I do value fair play. But come on, man. Couldn't I have just gotten a bit of slack? But that's the game of life, and I had to play by the rules. If I wanted to graduate, I would have to ace all my exams and assignments moving forward. It wasn't easy. It wasn't pretty. But most importantly, I did get the job done. Barely. And I managed to attend my graduation on time with my friends. After everything that I went through, the pain, the frustration, and my moments of weakness, I can confidently say that I am lucky. Since then, I've had a few more close calls with death, a handful of events that didn't necessarily go to plan, but after each incident, something good came out of it, even if that good didn't happen until days, weeks, or even months later. I think the chorus of Gary Allen's song, Every Storm, sums it up perfectly. Every storm runs, runs out of rain, just like every dark night turns into day. Every heartache will fade away, just like every storm runs, runs out of rain. So if it feels like nothing can go right, and everything feels so discombobulated, know this, even bad luck can run out too. As long as you're breathing and kicking and you're still alive, know that with enough time, even your most challenging moments will pass, and you'll be greeted with a new day, and the sun will rise and shine bright once again. Thanks y'all for tuning in to another episode of the Love Notes for Life podcast. I look forward to continuing this conversation of awareness and amplifying greatness through gratitude. My book, Love Notes for Life, is now available on Barnes & Noble with the direct link in the show notes below. If you're enjoying the Love Notes for Life podcast, please subscribe and leave a five-star rating on Spotify, Apple, and other major podcast platforms. For a behind-the-scenes look on new merch dropping soon, be sure to follow me at MyKabuko on Instagram or Twitter. Thanks y'all for the support, and always remember, there is beauty in knowing that there is only one of you. Take care. <laughs>